Hi everyone, I'm Riley Blanks, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty, a storytelling platform reimagining the everyday act of self-celebration for and by all women. This show brings you unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries who have developed personal success despite trauma and hardship by leaning into grit and discernment. We explore the messy interwoven realities of mental health, holistic wellness, intricate family dynamics, racial complexity, and the exceptional discoveries that lead to fulfillment. This is our pledge to the power of resilience and the impact of perspective. Today's guest, Heather Gallagher, is a Chinese-American family photojournalist and birth and death doula. Heather speaks frankly and transparently about her experiences as a biracial child of deaf adult and how this has inspired and informed her work as a witness and emotional support person to individuals and families in all transitions in life. Heather's work serves to make all people feel seen and heard without judgment, hold a mirror up to current social structures, and question the status quo. I interviewed Heather last summer on her couch in her lovely home with her pup nearby and a set of chimes just outside her front door. We lingered on her work, her family, and her unique lens on all things life. Thank you so much for sitting with me here in your beautiful home. My Hi, Hugo. <laughs> what do you need? Everything. Can you come up? Come on. Perfect. <laughs> You're so attention-seeking, I know. Yes. Um, um, okay, so I would like to start with what you do mm-hmm. and the impact it's had, mm-hmm. because I think you do really powerful work, yeah. and you're taking something that's kind of saturated, family photography, mm-hmm. and I think often misunderstood, and, um, yeah, huge and so making it really unique to you. Yeah. So yeah, just... Tell us a little bit more. Heather Gallagher, photography. Photography, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's so funny when you're, like, you are your business. No, not at all. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that. what it's all about now. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I just think it's so, yeah, to me, I just find it funny when people are like, what's your business? And I'm like, well, it's, it's just me. Like, <laughs> it's my my name plus I photography. I recently yeah. heard a podcast with, how, uh, what is it, How I Built This, mm-hmm. and he interviewed Eileen Fisher, and oh, she said yeah. the same thing. Like, yeah. it's so weird. Now walking through the street, totally, and like hearing her name, but it's mm-hmm. not her name. It's right. she created. Totally, it's like she created but it also herself. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's weird. Um, but yeah, so you're right. I am a family photographer, um, and my work. Thank you for being so kind about it. Yeah, um, my work is deeply, deeply intimate, um, and like my reason for wanting to do it is very intimate, and so I do think that that translates into how, into, like, how I create the images for other families. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, it is a very oversaturated market, and I think there's definitely, you know, there's room for everybody in terms of um, clients and aesthetics and everything, but I do think that what kind of, um, you know, as you said, like makes my work known for its intimacy is that like I I bring or like I'm really passionate about like telling each individual's family's story not homogenizing things and not just 
you know, lumping family photography into one aesthetic. Right. Um, because families are comprised of individuals, and individuals each have their own personalities. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very true. How do you... I feel like when people come to you, you being whoever you are, for mm-hmm. either request of family portraits or a family session, mm-hmm. they want something really happy mm-hmm. and, like, maybe even canned. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, they want to be represented in this, like, wonderful light. Like, right. we our beautiful family. Yeah. And I feel like your your pictures definitely evoke that. But there's also, like, a, a very deep realness there. Yeah. But it's not negative. It's not, like, sad. No. But at the same time, it's not like, oh, we're cheesing. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. So how do you do yeah. that? How do you make something raw and real and tangible mm-hmm. but still like happy and joyful and like like a pretty picture sure you know I mean? yeah that's a really great question um so yes I definitely do field all kinds of inquiries where um you know I think that backing up a little bit like you I'm a big believer in like attracting what you put out energy wise and all of that um as woo as that sounds I don't mean for it to sound woo I just mean <laughs> for it to be like Um, I think it's really practical actually, you know? And so I think that what I put out there is authenticity. Um, and you know, I'm off like when I'm authentically happy, I show that when I'm authentically sad or feeling, um, really, you know, inside my head or just wanting to be like explore, um, what brought me to this present moment, whatever that looks like, you know, these feelings or location, whatnot. Um, I'm really vocal about that. I'm really vocal about sharing all parts of myself, um, because I'm a huge believer in, like, in normalizing all kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think that the majority of the people who seek my workout, um, are doing so because they want me to be able to tell their story in the same authentic way. Um, and so that said, there are expectations already set. They don't necessarily even have to be spoken when a client goes through to book me. Um, you know, they're not really putting on airs or anything like that. You know, a lot of times I'll show up to people's houses (laughs) and like, people will be half dressed or, you know, no makeup or anything like that. Um, and like, you know, that's, it's to each their own. If somebody had a full face of makeup or anything, I wouldn't judge them for that at all. Um, but I think that because of the way I shoot, um, I'm not a like fly on the wall documentary photographer. Um, I think that, you know, some people can find success in that or they can get the results that they want out of that. For me, um, I think to really get at the heart of what is authentic to somebody else, you have to really interact them and you have to make the effort to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise you create an environment where people are feeling like they need to perform for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I'm right there kind of experiencing life with them, <clears throat> then I can experience like the truly authentic, happy moments. And then, um, you know, maybe the child immediately goes into a tantrum and like, yeah, that might not look as pretty on film as some people like for that to be, um, for that to look, but like, I don't stop shooting. I mean, unless somebody specifically requests me to, and which is fine also, I'm not going to force anything on anybody, <laughs> but all of that is to say, like, um, I know it's, it's more than there's, there's a more middle ground than just like, oh, you're happy. And then, oh, your baby's crying. Like there's a bigger range of emotion in there than that. Like that can, that alone can bring up. And I think also it speaks to like the work I do with mothers, like birth through postpartum and everything, uh, and actually I document people birth through death. And so like, I know that like with every action, there can be a whole different set of emotions that come with it. So if your baby's throwing a tantrum, you know, like 
that can that can bring a lot of baggage to people, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I like to be a safe space for people to really feel like they can explore what that what emotions that brings up, you know, if yeah. that makes any sense. No, it does. Um, and so I'm someone who's not afraid to just, like, sit with people in their uncomfortableness. Um, and I do really like that about myself, that, like, I find time and time again people, like, who start off as complete strangers, like, they just, you know start off as clients, like, will find me to be someone who they can really talk to and be like, I'm not feeling okay right now. Like, this shit's really hard. Like, I'm a new parent. This is really hard. And, like, I'll keep shooting through that um, because at the end of the day, the images, I don't care what they're doing with the images. I don't care if they're framing them or posting them publicly or, like, they live in a box forever. Those are for you to, like, I'm just holding a mirror up to what your life looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make your life look a certain way for my benefit or for your own benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, that's the power of photography and that's what I think I bring to the table. Um, And I do think that's what kind of sets me apart. Um, And the people who seek me out, I think know that about me. Yeah. Your subjects and your clients Mm -hmm. um, from my perspective, uh, run the gamut. Like we're Mm -hmm. seeing all different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, I, it seemed to me like a lot of your your subjects were minorities, mm-hmm. which in retrospect, it might not even be the case, but because I'm so used to seeing mm-hmm. one skin color portrayed in people's yeah. portfolios, especially yeah. in a city like Austin, uh-huh. I think if I see like a few, I'm like, wow, that's sure. so many. Like, yeah. She only I mean, does, you it's know. all relative to both. It totally. is. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, you know, for me with my work, I've had people, like, brand, a brand recently mm-hmm. approached me specifically because they noticed that I photographed people that weren't white, mm-hmm. and they felt like their brand was too white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted, wow. they were like, can you, can you photograph How your friends aware. for us? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> How'd that so make you feel? It, it was a, I had mixed feelings. Like, sure. it was great. Like, yeah. I, I was glad that they saw that, and then yeah. at the same time, it was, like, kind of a bummer. Like, mm-hmm. is it that hard for you to mm-hmm. find representation for your brand? You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. So, yeah, I feel similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had mixed emotions. Anyway, but, um, but yeah, I have a lot of respect for that. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I'm wondering um, if you feel like that's happened because of who you are and where you come from and what you represent. Mm-hmm. And so is it is it that people are seeing that in you and seeking you? Or... Or is it that you're portraying that, like you said, like sure, you, you get yeah. what you give? What do you think? Yeah, that? I don't know. I mean, like it's, I could really only assume, like, I don't know what every um, person who's reaching out to me is thinking or what their um, motivation or like how they found me or whatever is. But like, um, yeah, I am a, I am mixed raced and um, I, <laughs> you can hear him outside. He's <laughs> like, me too. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm mixed raced and I'm like vocal about uh how I grew up and growing up in a very multicultural family and how like I really celebrate that Mm -hmm. um and I think that again it's like you attract what you put out and so like I'm I'm really proud of coming from a very diverse background and I'm really proud to um you know Austin is um not (laughs) very diverse (laughs) and so um yeah, anyways, I I am proud personally to be someone who uh, wants to represent all types of people. And so, uh, like, I I love that um, people are seeking me out for that as well, if yeah. that makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? 
And then within your, sometimes it's hard to differentiate what is a, a project, like a personal project, mm-hmm. and, and what is a, you know, a, pain, work. Like a client. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So within your own projects, is mm-hmm. that something that you're trying to represent as well? Because you, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the project that, yeah. that I'll be For sure. Of. Yeah. So I, can you describe that a little bit too? Yeah. So I think it's really, so the project you're referring to specifically, is it okay if I mention it? Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to, I want you to describe Oh yeah, that. no, yeah. I love that. Uh, so it's called, um, you know, it's really funny. I kind of flop between what, what it's called. It's, it's, it's. Essentially, I'm asking subjects or people, um, the subject of the portraits, to answer the question, what were you born into? And that is directly inspired by a conference put on by DTI, which is an organization called Doula's Trading International, um, who is going to be put, who put it on their first last year. They're doing it again this year. The conference is called Born Into This. Um, and I just was so provoked by that question last year. The conference itself is to talk about intersectionality in um, reproductive reproductive birthrights. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is, you know, at the intersection of so many things, feminism, bodily autonomy, racism, um, everything, you know what I mean? All the things. And so for me, that question just like really kicked up a lot for me. Um, It's such a big question. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no wrong way to answer it. Um, But for me specifically, to your point, like, I am seeking stories from all people, but I am specifically, like, I shouldn't say specifically, but I am, I am very interested. I am like, I'm someone who wants to prioritize the voice of people of color, Mm -hmm. because I think that that's something that um, isn't, isn't necessarily prioritized. You know what I mean? It's tokenized in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, as a person who identifies as, as mixed race and everything, like I, I want to hear more stories of people who, who identify as being, you know, not the majority. Um, because to me, storytelling is so important. The more stories you tell, like it breaks down all these misconceptions that people have about each other. And, you know, you can see somebody like on paper, like we make look like we look obviously very different you know what I mean but like if I get to know your story I might find many connections between us um and that's what I want I think that when it's just always the majority of any category being the primary storyteller then you know that's great everybody deserves to have their story told but when it's always the majority then like it starts to feel like that's the standard that's my opinion of it at least you know what I mean and that's only what's interesting, you know? Yeah. Or that's only what's, maybe not even interesting, that's only what's allowed. There's it's like this Yeah, weird, there's, you there's only get permissions. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, no, everybody's entitled to have their own story and their own path in life. Um, but, you know, if we're being really real, you have to really, you, sometimes you have to make an effort to tell other people's stories because otherwise they're they're not going to be listened to or they're not going to be you know if there's a platform I want to give it to people who don't always have access to that platform Mm -hmm. you know yeah so I very much appreciate that yeah so tell tell me more about your story yeah dive into that a little bit and I'm also curious how you answered that question. I've been turning over my head yeah, I mean, for the past one. day or whatever. And sure, yeah. There's so many things that come to mind. Um, so I'm curious how and what? How did you answer that question? And also, how did you find a way to focus on something? Because mm-hmm. I mean, right. of course, you've looked at multifaceted. Yeah, and how? So how do you make that succinct and like specific? 
Um, so it's interesting because I don't know if I ever did answer the question. <laughs> like I started the project off like when I first came up with the idea of the project because of the question that the conference posed. Um, I immediately, I mean, like, it's so, it's so hard for me to like tell my story without telling the story of my parents. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's true for a lot of people, but for me specifically, you know, if I were to give just like a soundbite answer, I would say like, I was born into like a big divide. Um, and so to expand on that, I would say, you know, my mom is, um, a Chinese deaf immigrant. She was born hearing, um, in the forties in China, um, but then got tuberculosis and became profoundly mm. deaf. And so what profoundly deaf means is like hearing aids don't work. Like, n- like nothing. She can't hear anything. She when did the she deafest get... of deaf. Yeah. When yeah. did she get tuberculosis? When she was, uh, actually no, three. She corrected me recently. Okay. I've always thought it was four, but she was three. Okay. Um, and, um, she is the second oldest, uh, ultimately had three more brothers. So she's the only girl of four brothers, um, in China in the forties. Uh, they fled to Taiwan when she was four. Um, because of the war and she was raised for most of her life in Taiwan being the only girl and being the only deaf person in her family. She was pretty much not a priority. Um, that's just the sad truth of it. And she, her family grew up really poor. Um, so she was homeless until she was about 12. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived, they just squatted everywhere. Um, she lived in a like graveyard for a long time. Wow. Yeah. And they sold, actually I have a print on the wall there, but her and my grandmother sold like silk, um, uh, like embroidered thing, like beautiful prints on the side of the road. And, um, she's just a really like resourceful, hardworking person, you know, all that said, um, so she didn't get a formalized education until she was 12. Um, and so she started what would be the equivalent of like what we understand to be pre-K or kindergarten when she was 12. Um, and they sent her away to an all deaf school. And so she kind of grew up really, Um, and these are stories that she's told me, I'm not really interjecting my own opinion. Um, but she, you know, she grew up really isolated and really alone and really othered, Mm -hmm. um, even in her family where everybody looked like her and in a country where everybody looked like her, she was outcast, um, for something that she couldn't control, you know? Um, and that was really sad. And, um, fast forward, she met my father, he was in the Navy, he was um, in Taipei uh, on leave or on stationed. I don't know exactly the details, but because of the Navy, he was in Taipei for some time. Uh, my dad's a hearing white American, um, and they met just out, like, at a casino. They were just out. Both She was with her girlfriends, and he was with his, his Navy dudes. And um, they, yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, it was all physical attraction <laughs> at that point. They were both really cute, and they're, and they're young. Um And, you know, long story short, they had a really unique courtship um, in the sense where, you know, my dad was still traveling as part of being in the Navy, and um, they would write letters back and forth, but my mom doesn't know English. My dad didn't know she didn't know English, and so he didn't know that it was her friends or her brothers um, translating the letters Mm -hmm. and then writing them back. And so, yeah, it's just really sweet because, like, as the months or whatever went on of their courtship... um, my dad would like write like steamier letters and they would always just be like really neutral back. 
<laughs> and it's because like her brothers were translating and they were like, yeah, we're just not going to tell her that he said this, you know, which is just really silly, but yeah. it's, it's really cute. Anyways, <laughs> all that is to say, uh, my mom eventually moved to the States, um, to pursue a relationship with him. They got married. Um, when she came over, she knew a combination of Taiwanese and Chinese sign. Both of those are very different from each other. It's like any language. Every dialect is completely different. Um, so a lot of people think that like, oh, there's one sign language. So not true. Um, and so she brought those uh, those languages with her over to the States. Uh, my dad had known, <coughs> excuse me, very little American Sign Language when they first met. So that was kind of helping bridge the gap very, you know, roughly. Um, but they moved back to Maryland when my father grew up. And they would take um, American Sign Language, class, Sign Language classes at Gallaudet at the Big Deaf University mm-hmm. in D.C., together um so they both so they learned a new language together together exactly which is really sweet and then my brother and I were born um and my brother and I were born into my parents we lived in an all deaf neighborhood um with there's like pockets of them all over the country and maybe all over the world um but definitely all over the country and so we lived in an exclusively deaf neighborhood um like all the shop owners all the church everybody was deaf um and that was a choice your parents made mm -hmm. do you know why I don't know I mean I think I, this is where I could assume, but I think it's safe to assume my dad actually, like, <laughs> for being, like, a a white American dude, <laughs> like, caring dude, you know, like, fully abled and everything, like, he has recognized, like, hey, like, you're, like, you're, you're ultimately going to live up, you're going to grow up in America, you're going to grow up in a hearing world, um, you, you need to learn this other culture, like, if you don't learn it now, like, you, it has to be a part of you because like your mother is a part of this family. Like he very much, it was very important to both of them, but mm-hmm. I just like, I really appreciate, she had no choice. I really appreciate how he was like, he was her advocate. He was her advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have other stories that, you know, whatever, but <laughs> in terms of like raising us, my brother and I, who we were both born hearing, um, in an American culture that, you know, he was like, no, no, no. Like we're, we have to prioritize these language skills and everything. And so, um, it was just kind of full immersion, you know? Um, so we were raised, I thought I was deaf for a long time, um, because we lived in an all deaf neighborhood. The how the TV was always on mute because it was important for like, it was important for us to live this deaf world. Um, and so like everything was on closed caption. Like I, of course it's not like I like couldn't hear, but like to me, I was culturally deaf, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Cause it is a very, it's a culture in it, in it of itself. Um, and so how long did you live in that neighborhood? Till I was four. And then we moved, um, to another neighborhood closer to DC and it was an all black neighborhood and we were the only non-black family. Um, and we were the only, de- uh, non-hearing family as well <coughs> or had any member that was non-hearing. Um, and so, but that, by that point you might've been classified. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, excuse me. Um, but so growing up, like my brother and I were learning American Sign Language with my parents at the same time, but we hit a point just because language acquisition is so much easier when you're young and yeah. born into it. Yeah. Um, did we you hit surpass a point. them? Oh, we became way more fluent than they did. And we were also learning Chinese and Taiwanese Sign because my mom didn't just abandon that. You know what I mean? It was really hard to kind of like work it out of her everyday mm-hmm. language. Um, and she also had a community of deaf Asian and Chinese, uh, Chinese women or people um, that we would meet with in D.C. regularly uh, that she immigrated over with from her deaf university. 
Um, so we had all these very different cultural pockets that we were members of and we were fully accepted in. Um, and so I never really felt different. You know what I mean? I just felt like accepted wherever I went. Um, and then, you know, like I was saying, we moved to an all hearing, all black neighborhood. Um, and it was great. Like everything was normal. Every, you know what I mean? Like we never felt different or anything like that. Um, and it's ironic that like, it wasn't until I went to a small private art school in New York city you know, it's funny, it was, like, in Bed-Stuy, but it was, like, the whitest neighborhood. Like, the school itself, the campus, was, like, predominantly white. And Col- was that college? Yeah, it was, okay. I went to Pratt. Um, okay. And, like, it was the, the most white people I had ever been around. <laughs> and I was like, now I feel different. <laughs> this is really weird, you know? Uh-huh. Um, anyways, that's just, I think, ironic. It is. Yeah. Um, so, for, yeah, for me and I, for a lot of people I've talked to, it's the mm-hmm, opposite, mm-hmm. you know, like they, like I didn't really come into my identity until college, mm, maybe like at the end of college. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's kind of like that's typical. You yeah. Were, you were almost primed in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, but all of that is like, okay, so why I got in photography, into photography was out of like a basic need to figure out how to, how to bridge this huge language gap between my mother and I, um, because she didn't know English. I didn't know written Chinese. Um, we didn't know the same sign language at the same time. Um, to this day, like because of the varying capacities that we have for sign language and fluencies, um, it's, it's very rough, the language between us, you know? Um, and so we've kind of defaulted to like a home sign, which is essentially like a family slang mm. that we've created. I mean, that's really common in deaf families as well to have um, your own home sign. Um, that's that... not widely understood. Right. You know, it's and like... It, are there many words within that slang? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, like, it's basically... Like, if you don't know... I, don't, I mean, it's hard to describe, but it's... it's Everything is an inside joke. But in, in sign form. Okay. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're just trying to find the most universal way of describing something. Right. You know what I mean? Um, just to break it down in a really simple way. Um, I used to really struggle with... Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a long time until I think I was about third or fourth grade. Um, and then she went back to work. Um, and I was a latchkey kid. And so I was really sensitive to the fact that, like, I could never call her if I needed her. Um, you know, TTY existed, but it was useless for us because she didn't know English. And so, but, you know, like, most kids are able to, like, call their mom and be like, hey, I'm at my friend's house. I'm going to stay here for dinner. I couldn't do that with right, my mom. And right. so, and I was always... And you couldn't text her. <laughs> I couldn't text her. Right. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't even call her job and have like, one of her co-workers explained it to her because nobody knew, knew sign language or nobody knew written Chinese, you know what I mean? So I had to be really, really specific. If I missed her in the morning, like, before she went to work and I was going to school, like, I had to tell her, like, hey, these are my plans for after. And I also had to knew, know what I was doing. Um, so I would try, like, doing these, like, like stick people drawings, and it just wouldn't translate because I can't draw. Um, <laughs> but then it turned into, for me, I was like, oh, okay, let me just be super literal, and I would take Polaroids of myself, and I would storyboard what I was doing. Um, so it'd be, like, me pointing to a clock, and I'd be like, that's when I'll be home, you know what I mean? It'd be, like, a picture of me putting my jacket on, being like, I got my jacket, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, like, me with, like, a picture, holding a picture of my best friend, being like, I'm at her... And then I'd be signing house. And it'd be, like, 20 Polaroids, like, wow. storyboarding exactly what I was doing. Uh-huh. Or, like, it's not like it was a flip book, but it was, like, it, and my mom was, like, this is genius. I knew exactly what you were going to do and, like, where you were going to be. And 
all this stuff. Um, and it was great. And so I did that for years and that became our language. And so I was like, wow, how powerful is photography in just this really basic way? Yeah, that gives me goosebumps. That's that's, that's, literal (laughs) communication with photography. Yes. And so for me, it was completely desperate. That was my way of, of bridging that gap. Um, it's amazing what comes out of desperation. Oh my God, yeah. it's the mother of all invention. And yeah. so, yeah, and so um, that's why it's so personal to me because I was like, it is a form of, it is a language in in its own way. And so for me, that become that became our common language. It wasn't sign language, it wasn't Chinese, it wasn't English, it was photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do find it interesting that like my brother's an artist also and he is very self-exploratory, he's an illustrator. Um, and so illustration was his form as well. Mm. Um, and so, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so when it comes to me photographing families and everything, I'm really, like, I want to... That's my language, but, like, I want it to be a way that you all communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm digressing from your original question. What was I born into? Uh, like, I was no, born into this, this I was born into this, like, huge divide of, wow. you know, so many different cultures, but never being 100% a member of any of them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not 100% Chinese. I'm not 100% white. I'm not 100% hearing. I'm not 100% deaf. You know, I never really, although like I felt accepted by all those communities, I never felt like me personally, I was allowed to really fully claim any of them. Um, And I think that's a huge thing when it comes to people who are multicultural, mixed race in general, you know, like, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we touched on this when we met the other day. Um, It is like this big identity, like what identity are we? And so you, you have to, like, for me, I had to create my own identity. So I identify with photography, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I can know that it sounds really cheeseball or whatever, but, like, it is my language. It is my identity. Um, and so it's something that I am, like, so passionate about. Like, it's not just a job for me. I'm very blessed that, like, it has become a career for me. Um, but I felt like that was, like, that was what was meant for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. really neat. Yeah, thanks. I'm like, where do we go from here? <laughs> Gosh. That was, uh, yeah, where did we go? You identify with photography. Mm-hmm. And if someone asks you, what are you? The most dreaded question. Yeah. How do you answer? Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been asked that question a lot. I actually want to know how you answer in general, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, like, like, do you ever say, that's a problematic question? I have. I've, like, gone through various... Um, iterations of the answer, you know what I mean? It I depends used to, on your audience, right? I used to feel really obligated to answer it in a really complete way. But then I'm like, who the fuck are you to ask me that? <laughs> like, you know, like, why do I owe you this answer? Um, and, you know, it was usually, like, white men asking me that. And um, that's a whole other conversation where it's, like, this need to define mm-hmm. and everything. And um, so I used to, very, like, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, be like, oh, well, I'm half this, I'm half that, I'm from here, I've lived here. Um, but then, you know, like, you see people's eyes glaze over, and I'm like, wait, you asked me, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's evolved into, like, you know, various levels of sassiness where I'll be like, I'm a person, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But I think now, um, God, I don't know, like... I think if someone were to ask me that now, it's been a minute since somebody's asked me that, to be honest. Um, you know, I would just say, I mean, like, I know what they're getting. I know what they want to know. So I just say, I'm half Chinese, you know, like, and it's not like anything I'm ashamed of or anything like that, but it's just like, I get it. Like people are curious and I have no problem with people being curious. Um, but 
Yeah, I think it's. I think it depends on how people ask the question and what's behind the curiosity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. it's complete curiosity, then like, sure, you know. Yeah. But like, I'm just I'm half Chinese. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, how has your story, what you were born into, your identity, mm-hmm. how has that translated into your family now? Mm, like the family that I've created. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am assuming you didn't go to a neighbor, you know, a non-hearing neighborhood. No, um, yeah. But have you, I would think it'd be tough to navigate having such a, an interesting childhood Mm -hmm. and having a dad that was so insistent about Mm -hmm. you being exposed to that. Yeah. I would think it'd be tough to not somehow create that. Want to live up to that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that like, I do feel conflicted about. Uh, I mean, only conflicted, not because I'm like, oh, that that's the wrong word to use. Um, it was a, it was a luxury because we also got to go to China and Taiwan almost every year mm. when I was a child. That's not a, a cheap trip, you know what I mean? Luckily, like you know, it was a it was a luxury that my dad was able to provide for us in that way, um, or that my parents were. Um, I'm in a position where like I'd love to be able to take my son back to China, you know at least once, <laughs> like, um, it might be a while before we can do that, um, in the way that I really want to, you know, like stay for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I mean, like, um, yeah, his first language, like we taught him sign language when he was a little baby. We didn't try to control the environment to be like, this is a deaf household because that's not how he's going to grow up. He's not going to grow up with a deaf mother like I did or a deaf parent or sibling or anything. Um, but I do, um, we do talk very openly and regularly about, you know, accessibility for all people. And so, like, if he has a question about, like, hey, why why are there no stairs here? Why is there a ramp? You know what I mean? Like, we talk about, like, all different kinds of bodies and people and how, like, everybody needs access to everything um, and that not every... Um, space or building or environment should only allow for one type of person. Um, and he's really like, he really engages in conversations like that, you know, which I really love. And so for me, keeping really, um, open, but like being intentional about these conversations is really important to me. If that makes sense, you know, um, and I'm fortunate to have a partner who, uh, I mean, like my partner's a white man, um, but he is, um, like, a huge feminist, and, like, he (laughs) has, you know, traveled extensively in his life, and he, um, we're very much on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. How do they communicate with your mom? Um, through sign. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So your partner also knows Mm -hmm. sign. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't ask him to do anything when we were dating, but he knew it was important for me, so he, on his own, took his own sign language classes, which meant a lot to me. Um, and, like, of course, I taught him everything I could, you know? Um, and he, like, yeah, he, he's actually pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And him and my mom, like, my mom is someone who, she's so used to people not having the same language as her, even, like, her own children, you know, that, like, she can communicate, she will create a whole new language just for you. Mm -hmm. And you and her will have your own language. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that's really special. And so him and her have their own language. And her and my son have their own language. And it's, it's great, you know? That's really neat. It really builds intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows also the power of body language and expression. Totally. Yeah. And eye contact. I'm so huge on eye contact. Mm -hmm. That is something that I'm very, like, (laughs) look them in the eye when you say something. Absolutely. Don't have your back turned you know I'm very sensitive to things like that do you know how she feels now you know having such a 
a difficult childhood, being mm-hmm. isolated, mm-hmm. Um, being outcast. Mm-hmm. How has that affected her adulthood? I'm sure she mm-hmm. had to do some recovery and some healing. Mm-hmm. Has she gotten to a place where now it's just a part of who she is, she can carry it, or is it still something she struggles with or do you know? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I can't, of course, answer completely for her, but we definitely have talked about it, and I think, you know, I think it is a a tough spot for her. Um, I think also built into the culture of, um, I can't speak for deaf culture, but, like, for, in terms of Chinese culture, like, um, therapy's not a thing. Mm -hmm. You don't go to therapy, you know, like, you deal with your problems, like, you, um, like, you know, don't be weak, you know? And so I think that she has a lot of that in her that she struggles with because she is a sensitive person. But I think that for a lot of her life, she wasn't allowed to. I think that she was just told all this messaging um, that, like, you know, this is what you were given and deal with it. Um, But also not – but it wasn't, like, in an empowering way. It was, like, deal with it. You're less than. Like, them's the breaks, you know? (laughs) And – Um, I think she believed that story for a really long time. I think in a lot of ways she still believes that story, which is a bit heartbreaking. Um, But I do know that because she's told me so many times, um, (laughs) she's really, really, really proud of um, my brother and I for being like, she's never said she's proud of herself, but she's always said she's proud of us for doing what we want to do and like defining our own success um because she was never allowed to do those things um and so like and I've told her I'm proud of her she she's not someone to take a compliment but like you know so I don't know what she's thinking but like I I I would like to think that she's proud of like herself you know what I mean yeah, yeah, because you, you came from her. Yeah. 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 That's special. Yeah. I Thank so. you for being vulnerable. I know. Oh, my God. Of course. I'm like, Always. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> like, yeah, I'm the I queen feel, of, feel of, of like, crying all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's neat when you can cry and smile at the same time. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, you just fully embrace it. Yeah. yeah. I'm a full range of emotions at any second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense going back to the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Like, you're cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So where would you say that you feel most at home I mean obviously at oh home, that's such an interesting question like, just I, thinking about yeah. the first four years of your life mm-hmm. and living in a non-hearing community and then living in a, a predominantly if not all black community mm-hmm. and then going to Pratt which was like all white yeah and rich and yeah. You, yeah yeah and now you you know then you graduate and you live in the next world and yeah now you live in this world so where yeah. is there a place that feels like, you look around and, and you think, this this feels right. Like, I feel mm. most comfortable here. Or do you just feel mm. the same in every community because you've been exposed to so many? Yeah, that's a really good question. I was thinking about that recently. I don't know why, what prompted me to, but basically I was like, yeah, like, I have lived in so many physical places, but also, like, um, emotional places and everything where I kind of feel like, I'm such a, like, um, what's the word? Not transplant, but, like, chameleon, um, chameleon but also, like, um, I don't know. Like, a, I almost said vagrant. That's not the right word. <laughs> Vagabond? Vagabond, thank you. <laughs> I'm a vagrant. Um, no. Um, yeah, so, you know, I actually, like, do feel comfortable kind of everywhere, you know, and not in that, like, assertive way where it's, like, people need to make space for me, but it's, like, I I think there's space for everybody and why not me? You know, 
Yeah. So, yeah, I feel comfortable everywhere. Like, Austin is my home for now. Um, New York was my home for so long. Like, I don't think I'll ever stop saying that I'm a New Yorker, even though, mm-hmm. like, I'm about to serve, like, I'm coming up living in Austin longer than I lived there, which feels so weird. Um, but, like, there's just different chapters of your life, and... Um, that one really stuck. Yeah, that one did really stuck. I mean, like, I think moving somewhere when you're 17, that's, like, such a formative time, you know? Um, but, yeah, I feel... I do truly feel comfortable. Like, I can feel comfortable really anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. Because, like, I've never really looked like everybody, and so, like, that doesn't matter to me so much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I'm very... I'm very confident. And so I think that that carries through into, like, I can be in any environment and, like, not, um, I think, like, because I'm, like, sure of myself, like, that creates a situation where, like, people can treat me with a certain amount of respect, if that makes sense. It does. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does either parent resonate more with you? Like, do you feel like either parent Mm -hmm. more than the other or do you feel like a blend or do you feel like neither like you're Heather oh wow what a interesting question I feel like yeah it's so funny I in a lot of ways I always like I don't know about you but like my mom and I had what I consider a very typical like tumultuous teenage years where I was like wow like I will never be like you and I wanted to resist all things that were like her but since becoming a mother I've had those like holy shit, I'm my mother. Moments, like, way more than I haven't. Um, and, like, my mom, I don't know, she's a pretty, she's really cool. And so, like, I am, I am a lot like her. Um, but, yeah, I mean, God, that's such an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it happen to you where people, where, m- maybe with your parents, too, mm-hmm. like, oh, so much like your father. Oh, no. No one will ever say that about me and my father. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, yeah. And so, and does that happen in your head? Like, Uh wow. Like, I really connect with that, Mm -hmm. with that part of him. Do you, do you identify in that way at all? I'm just curious. No, I hear you. I've never really thought about that. I mean, um, no, I think I have a lot of empathy for him, but I don't... I think, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I stumped you, sorry. No, it's okay, (laughs) I like it, I like being challenged like that, now I'm gonna get really in my head about it, in a good way. Um, yeah, I think, I think that if we were to break it down, like, the way I interact with the world is a lot more like my mom. I think I'm a lot more curious about things, and it's not to say that, like, he isn't, but, like, well, I guess the way it is to say he isn't, let's be honest, you know? <laughs> like Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, it just is who he is. Um, yeah, I think that, like, my mom had to just really be really open-minded about a lot of things um, and very flexible um, because of obvious reasons, you know? And I like to approach life in that way, too, you know, like... Um, really adjusting my expectations for things and for people, um, and keeping a really open mind, that makes me sound like I'm a really, really good person. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a good person. No, I think I am a good person, but I'm not, like, but it's like, I think I approach, like, the world in a really curious way, and I see a lot of, I see that I got that directly from my mom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess the answer is I'm more like her. Yeah. But I am very uniquely myself, if that also yes. can ring true. Absolutely. At the same time. Yeah, you, know? you can be both at the same time. Yeah, I mean, sure. like, it's impossible to not be, I think. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, obviously I have influences from all the, all the sides. Yeah, and so in all the places and all the things. Yeah, and, yeah, And now yeah. who you live with, you know, and yeah, the present. And, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty multifaceted. yeah. Oh, I don't know if any of that made sense, but... I, I'm feeling pretty enlightened. I got goosebumps, like, maybe ten times, so... So, okay, this will be my last question, and uh-huh. I, like, don't even know exactly what it'll be yet. <laughs> but if you... If you could see, like, in the next century, and what would you... What would your hope be mm-hmm. for the world, for humanity, mm-hmm. around... Um, the topic of identity, specifically cultural identity. How would you want to see our world evolve from where it is now? Yeah. It's kind of a loaded question. It's a really loaded question, but no, I'm into it. Um, I would like for there to be a lot more room for, um, for autonomy, for, you know, bodily autonomy, for... Um, you know, just the decisions that people make about what path they want to take, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever, whoever they want to, you know, can I curse? Yeah. Okay. You already did. Okay. So, (laughs) sorry. You're like, uh, you've only been cursing. Um, you know, like who they want to fuck, who they want to marry, who they want to, like, if they want to have kids, if they don't want to have kids, if they want to, um, I don't know, you know, like I... I, I feel so, I feel like we're on, like, the precipice of something here, but then that also makes me fear that, like, we're going to do this huge backslide, because I think that that's just, like, the pattern of things, um, and I just want there to be this, like, watershed of, like, I just want, like, everyone to have this, this, like, this, like, worldwide realization where it's like oh yeah what you do is your business as long as you're not hurting anybody you know what I mean because I think that there's like you know we have so much permission to like to hurt people now instead of support people and it's so backwards Mm -hmm. you know um so that's what I want like I want there to be much more acceptance of individualism um whatever that looks like to people you know yeah as long as they're not hurting anybody yeah you know yeah. Yeah. It's beautifully said. Is it? Yeah. I think so. I yeah. think it is. Because okay. it, it's involving, it's individualism, but it's also involving community without yeah. saying it, you know? Sure. Because if there's supportive individualism, then that means that mm-hmm. people are getting on the same board about different things. Right? Yeah. 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 So. Sure. You said it better. Yeah. I just interpreted what yeah. you said. <laughs> we'll go with that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. This was oh, yeah, thank really you. me. I love learning more about you. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone else to hear. <laughs> oh, golly. Thank you so much for joining us. You can connect with us on Instagram at WokeBeauty or me at Riley Blanks and learn more at WokeBeauty.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Until next time, have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful. Anything.